it was a short while ago, I was having this work meeting and we were all sitting around the table. It was a typical boring work meeting where nobody was really paying attention or doing anything at all. And, and I had my notes acting like I was doing writing notes, but I really was just doodling. And the most exciting part of the meeting was when you know, we were talking about budgets and we were talking about planning and we were talking about upcoming events that didn't really affect me. And I was not even involved in the meeting. And then at some point, the conversation turned toward for some reason like Tim Tam challenge. Have you ever done the Tim Tam challenge? It's like these little cookies and you suck up hot chocolate with them and they dissolve in your mouth. And we were going on for like 30 seconds about the Tim Tam challenge. And then someone started talking about some new outdoor backyard game, bottle bash. We were throwing a Frisbee and knocking bottles off. And we were going on all about that. And, and then the meeting pretty much wrapped up and we went on. And then my boss reached out to me and she said, um, I forgot to take notes. I saw that you were taking notes back there. Can you send me a copy of all the notes of the things that were discussed? And of course, I all I remember was Tim Tam Challenge and Bobble Bash. I don't remember anything because I was just doodling. I wasn't doing anything. And I'm like, I have no idea what was just going on in that meeting. And this fear struck me and I had to try to remember whatever I could. If you have ever been in one of those situations where you have to try to remember what went on in a meeting or some important conversation or connection and you didn't do it, you can imagine what it must be like for a doctor after they do some important procedure and then they've got to go out and document it all. And all they can remember is Tim Tam challenge and bottle bash. And how do they document all that kind of stuff? It's a big issue and it's a big problem if it's ever concerned you and it probably hasn't because you never even dawned on you, then you are going to love to stick around and hear what we're talking about today. Hi everybody, I'm Darren. And I'm Jeff. Our guest today is Rich Linder from Zenter MD. Rich, it is great to have you on the show. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. And I love the introduction, uh, Darren. It was fantastic. Well, because I got to pick your brain. That's exactly what you're doing. You're trying to, I mean, not just talk about bottle bash and Tim Tam challenge. By the way, have you ever done a Tim Tam challenge, by the way, Rich? I've never done one. I've, I've heard of them, but I've never done one. Life-changing. I'm just telling you, life-changing. You get a pack of Tim Tams, you suck up hot chocolate, it all starts dissolving and melting in your mouth. The problem is, like a Tim Tam, this is a little divergent here, not that we were planning on going here with the very first question of the podcast, but the whole thing starts to, to melt in your mouth, and you have to pop the whole thing in your mouth and swallow, and there's like 7,300 calories right there in one gulp because it's dissolving. But forget about that for a second. I, I'm picturing an operating room where there's a doctor and he's got to go in afterwards and try to remember everything that happened and document that. And that's kind of the solution you're trying to solve here, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big problem. And, you know, right now, 40% of a physician's time, at least in interventional medicine, minimally invasive surgery is spent on documentation. It's not spent on treating patients. It's not spent, you know, providing care, answering questions and helping people. It's spent on administrative processes. So it's a big issue. You know, even as you're talking about that, because I just had somebody at, at work came and they gave me this spreadsheet with 47, you know, boxes and I was supposed to check. I'm like, I don't, this isn't what I do. I'm, yeah, I'm, I don't want to spend my afternoon checking boxes in a spreadsheet. I got better things to do that, that are real and productive. And I'm guessing... That's probably how doctors feel after they perform some life-saving operation, and then they got to go back through and check 43 boxes on a spreadsheet, right? It's exactly right. I mean, basically what you've got are patients coming in uh, one after another all day long, 
Many of them are acute emergent patients who've recently had a heart attack and you've got to get them into the cath lab, get a balloon inside of a coronary artery and reperfuse the heart. So, you know, there's not a lot of time for documentation. Um, we, we really need to solve these administrative problems. And, you know, I'll tell you the things we're doing in voice recognition, thanks to uh, a lot of the things that Jeff has been developing in his career, uh, and he's helping to lead these teams. I mean, it's, it's going to be a game changer. So tell me what happens. I want you to, I want you to like, let me see what is this room, the operating room, what's happening, what's happening with voice speech recognition technology, how, how are you changing things, what's happening, what's going on? So what happens is we've launched a, and we're launching right now in U.S. hospitals, a wireless system called ZenFi. It's kind of like a Wi-Fi system that you have in a house or a business, but ZenFi receives data from voice, from voice and smart medical devices. So all of the tools that are used in interventional medicine will become smart. They'll have chips in them. We develop those semiconductors here at Zenter. And those chips produce what we call physical intelligence data. Physical intelligence or PI data is real-time information of what goes on inside a human body. So it's, it's smart technologies that generate PI data, and you put that in a global healthcare cloud. Well, voice is one of the things that can collect that physical intelligence data and put things in that global healthcare cloud called XMD. So as we launch these technologies, as you are in a cardiac cath lab, a patient comes in, um, they are brought in on a, on a gurney, you transfer over to a table. You have a C-arm, which is real-time fluoroscopy, angiography, x-ray, um, and then you have a bank of monitors of just screens. And so what you do in the patient is you get um, arterial access, you inject contrast dye into the arteries of the heart. Um, you image that contrast dye. It gives you an outline of the arteries in the heart. You can diagnose where a blockage or a lesion is. And then you can put stents and balloons and other things, guide wires and catheters up through the arteries. And you can remotely, through the arteries, treat that lesion and restore blood flow and deploy a uh, typically a drug looting stent. Now, what, what happens is you have microphones in the cardiac cath lab that listens to that procedure and it documents all the forms. It fills out the forms for the physicians. It's smart, it's intelligent. Um, it has analytics and AI tools that are built into it. And, it, and also you have a, a, a speech map of that physician. So it knows the, the technology understands this is Dr you know, Amy Jones um, and, uh, or, or Steve Jones or whatever. And uh, they're uh, the ones that are your, that you're documenting, not anybody else in the, in the cardiac cath lab. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting technology. So as the doctor, does the doctor have to say, I am doing X right now or such and such? And does he say these things and then they yeah. capture that information? Is that what it is? Absolutely. The doctor would say, you know, I have access into the right femoral artery or the left uh, um, uh, radial artery. Um, I'm accessing the left anterior descending coronary artery where we have diffuse disease and an 80% blockage in the LAD. And it just, it listens to all that information and it fills out the forms. I mean, the, the data that I just said probably could populate about 10 different lines on a form. 
And by just mapping that speech, the doctor now doesn't have to do it. I, I'm guessing because it's sort of like the, the doing the homework and the busy work and the paperwork and checking the boxes. I am guessing that doctors love this. Is it, is, am, am, I, am I jumping to conclusions? And not only the doctors love it, because remember, you're recapturing about 40% of their day and you're taking it from me. Well, what some might consider menial tasks, repetitive administrative tasks. And you're you're allowing them to be doctors again and they can treat more patients and it just thing patients move through the cardiac cath lab faster and probably we're more accurate. And so not only do the doctors love it, the hospital administrators love it and the directors of the cardiac cath labs love it. Because otherwise they would have been spending uh, like a half hour documenting, doing all this stupid paperwork that have to redo and not even being very accurate. Instead, it's already captured and they've moved on to the next patient to save somebody else's life. A absolutely. And, and that is essential. And by the way, this data is not trivial. I mean, we do need to capture this data because if we can put all this information in a global healthcare cloud, you can do large scale analytics and machine learning on a ton of patients. We can identify new opportunities to improve cardiac care, and we can reduce the cost of delivering that cardiac care and treat more patients. How, how did you get inspired to do this? Is that, I mean, what, at what point does somebody wake up one day and say, I'm gonna make a smart operating room that collects PI to AI. I mean, you didn't grow up as a, as a six-year-old saying that's what you were gonna do. How did you get to where you are now? Well, uh, that's an interesting question. First of all, I had to be a patient. You know, I think um, early in my career, I've been doing this for over 30 years now. And, you know, we've, we've run clinical trials around the world. We've launched some very meaningful technologies and left atrial appendage occlusion uh, for patients atrial fibrillation stroke, carotid artery stenting, saphenous vein graft stenting. I mean, we've done, we've done a lot to, to help patients, but it really wasn't until um, I became a patient um, that I went through all of the, and experienced all the machinations of what a patient goes through and the emotions, the challenges, it gives you a, a really different perspective when you're a patient. Um, and so now I'm very highly motivated to, to, to bring new technologies that will help patients to the cardiac cath lab and also throughout medicine. And I would also say that, you know, I think, um, I had an experience once um, in a company which was trying to address this. Um, in that company, I only stayed for a short period of time. The challenge was we didn't have a, a process to automate these things. And if you don't have a process to automate the, the delivery of administrative work, and you just take a body of administrative work from one place and put it on another, well, you're not, you're not going to improve costs. So having a tool that can reduce the, the work into to small parts, that's, that's a real product. And that's what this voice technology does. We've, we've been talking, I think, sort of mostly about, I don't know, with all your medical terms, I have no idea what it is you're actually talking about. <laughs> but it seems like most of what you're talking about is like sort of like heart stuff. Is this, does this translate to everything? Does this translate to you know, colonoscopies and foot surgeries and, you know, why is it, I only can think of colonoscopies and foot surgeries, but yeah, can it translate to all sorts of other procedures in a room? In an it, it'll, that's a great question. It'll start in the cardiac cath lab. 
It'll start in the interventional radiology suite, the neurointerventional radiology suites, but it will extend beyond that. Eventually, we want every physician in the world to use speech recognition tools to document what they're doing, to put all of that information into a global healthcare cloud, and then to allow patients to access that information and actually own it and control it. It's going to take us time to do that. Rich, it sounds to me like um, um, what, what we're talking about is it used to be the case that a doctor would do a procedure and then they would go off and, and, and document it. But it sounds yeah. like we're documenting it in real time as it's happening so that the doctor is, there's, there's not a separate documentation job. It's they're documenting it as they go. They're saying, okay, now I'm doing this. I'm injecting that. Here's here's what I see for the, you know, cardiac pressure or whatever. I don't know all the terms that you're going to use, um, but that that's that's one key improvement is that you're not relying on the doctor's memory anymore. Uh, that they're they're reporting it as they go, and and you're also then relieving them from having to do this separate procedure of documenting. Am I well? That's right? that's partly correct. Right now, hospitals do this. It happens in the cardiac cath lab, but it takes a lot of people to do it. It's a, it's a finely rehearsed dance that happens every day in the cardiac cath lab, and people just don't see it. You have cath lab technicians in a control room who are trying to document and record everything. You've got devices, various devices that are being opened, fr not sometimes frantically, depending on what's happening, depending on the condition of the patient, but you're opening up different catheters and sheaths and wires and you're introducing them in this remote surgery to try and help this patient. And it doesn't always get documented accurately. Right. There's, a, there's human error. And, and when you have two or three or four people trying to report what happened in one case, um, not, every, not all the time is it done right. So this is a big advancement. It's gonna have a big impact and I'm excited about it for that reason. You, you dropped a little nugget a while ago that I wanted to follow up. You said something about um, as we capture this, like the medical information is going to belong to the patient. So does that mean like as, as the doctor is going through everything and it's all being captured and it's put there, I, it's not only the hospital and the administration and the doctors have access to this. Am I as a patient going to be able to have access to this information then too? And, wh and, what, and, what, and what does that matter? Is that going to be a good thing or a bad thing? And how is that going to be good? Okay, so this, you bring up a big issue here, Darren. So first of all- Sorry, sorry, I opened the can of worms. No, nope, this is great. I love it. Um, so what happens right now is all of this information goes into what's called a boundary-based electronic health record. It's a boundary-based oh, system. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things, the boundary-based electronic- uh, Yeah, exactly. You use that term all the time, but this yes, is technically yes. what happens with medical data. So it goes into this uh, secure database. That, this database is called either an electronic medical record, electronic health record, same thing. And hospitals around the United States have these. There are several different types. There are several different companies that provide them. But they all do the same thing. And you know what they were built for? They were developed in the early 1970s for billing. It's a cost accounting system. What they're doing is bringing everything together and then how do you bill public and private payers, and ultimately make money in healthcare. Well, the problem is we don't want to just make money in healthcare. We want to improve outcomes. 
We want to reduce costs. We want to get better results for patients. So how are we going to do that? Well, we've got to have new tools. We have to have a global healthcare cloud. And everybody in the world is trying to get one and develop one. We just beat everybody because we came up with the concept of smart devices and voice tools, and we've already built the cloud. So this is launching right now in US hospitals, and the first patients are gonna be done in Florida in three weeks. So it, it's happened, it's here, it's now, and ultimately patients never have access to that data because first of all, it's on a disparate database. They don't have access to that database. They don't know how to use it. And so what we're doing is giving patients a simple app on their phone. They can have that data, keep it, and they own it. They can determine what's done with it and they can make sure it's private. No one else gets access to it. So a lot of times people are talking about some technology that's pie in the sky a couple of years down the road. This is actually happening within a couple of weeks. Someone's going to have a, someone's doctor in a, you know, having some heart procedure is going to be saying, I'm doing such an inject and it's all going to be recorded. And this is actually really happening. But if I don't want to go to Florida, what are the next chances? Is, is it going, is it spreading quickly after that? What's the time? Take? Absolutely. I think by the middle of next year, we're going to be in probably 15 states um, across the East, the West, um, maybe, maybe more. And I think, um, probably within a year of that, every state in the union will have these technologies and then we're taking it international. So it's, it's growing fast. This, this is, I was going to say, it's like, it's like game changing. It's life changing. It literally is life changing because it's saving people's lives and, and we'll be able to document that. We, we always ask, I, I love, I love you showing us the future and letting us know what's happening with all of our medical care. We always ask someone, if you had a genie in a box, you're going to rub the box, the genie's going to pop out and grant you any wish, any technology wish you want, dealing with speech or voice technology. Is there something that you, every night you think, oh, I just wish Jeff could get me X, Y, Z. I just wish such and such technology were available. Is something, is something keeping you up at night, some kind of wish we can look towards? Well, there is. Uh, and I'll say I'm old enough to remember I dream of genie and I watched it. Um, can you, can the you do the theme song? What was the theme I, song? I, I do, 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 do. <laughs> so Very I remember good. that. Um, I would say, my, yeah, don't record that. Um, <laughs> uh, that's going to come back to haunt me. But, you know, I think um, my dream would be exactly what I said, that every physician around the world uses speech tools, puts that data on global healthcare cloud and gives it to patients. Let's let patients own the data. Let's let them monetize their own healthcare data. Let's come up with new ways to, to solve those problems. And, and right now, by the way, I'll just say hospitals think they own your data and they're trying to sell it. I don't, I, I, I have kind of a problem with that. I, I think patients ought to, ought to handle it themselves and get that money back. That's just me. If any, any money we want to send my way, I'm fine with that. If they you know, <laughs> you can get some money from the hospitals and from them selling my data, just let me know. Richie, I love, I love the, I love the vision you've been able to paint for us. I love what you're doing. Not just, not just making life easier with some smart device or whatever, but literally changing lives and saving lives because it's keeping more doctors around. It's letting more doctors perform the procedures they want. It's having better documentation of what is happening so that we all get better healthcare. Thanks for everything you're doing. And thanks for stopping by and chatting with us on the voice box. It's, it's very much my pleasure. Thank you.
both Darren and Jeff. Great. It's been great to talk to you. So Jeff, I got to find out a little bit more. This whole idea of the smart operating room, we've sort of talked a little bit about this before, but now this idea of documenting everything, I got to dig a little bit into this. First of all, there was a part where he rattled off like 17 medical terms. I didn't understand a single thing of that. Is that is that a problem when you have to recognize those words and you've got to document and do all that kind of stuff? Because I didn't recognize any of those words and I'd be having a problem with that. Yeah, but you know what? The doctors recognize them just fine. And speech recognition recognizes them just fine. In fact, they're they're typically easier to recognize. It's it's harder to recognize lots of little short words. But if you are a speech recognizer and you have been trained on and you know cardiomyopathy or whatever, some you know five-syllable word, wait, is that cardiomyopathy? That's more like seven. But you have these long words, it's not a challenge to recognize them. You've been, the, the speech recognizer has been trained to recognize those words and they, they appear in pretty regular predictable contexts. And so, uh, in fact, that's, that's not a challenge. It's uh, um, medical reporting is usually more accurate to a speech recognizer uh, than otherwise because of the jargon. It, it's it's easy to recognize those those phrases and words, and they're also quite predictable. Um, you don't use a word like cardiomyopathy in a lot of different contexts. There's certain certain ways that you talk about it typically. I'm going to try to figure out what this room looks like. Is it is it as simple as just like the doctor wearing a headset, got a little portable microphone, or like clipped on his little dress, like operating gown type of a thing? Is there a microphone hanging down in the middle of the room? Are do the how 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 is he going to be able to pick up all the audio that's going on? And how do you how do you how do you want it? To, what's the best way for that to happen? That's uh, that's a really good question. So in fact, um, we at Cobalt are working with Rich and his team. Uh, to help bring this technology out. And I spent the better part of my morning today reviewing a recording of a doctor in an, in an operating room. I could see the doctor, the patient, the nurses, and uh, all the equipment that Rich was talking about. Uh, and in that particular case, the doctor was wearing uh, a headset microphone uh, underneath his uh, mask, and, or actually it was outside of his mask, but underneath his you know, glasses and, and, and whatever. It was a high quality microphone and I could hear the doctor perfectly. I couldn't hear much of else what was going on in the room. Uh, every once in a while, I might hear the background speech of a nurse or a doctor saying something, but mostly I just heard the doctor, uh, the doctor's voice responding. I think doctors would like to get out of the restriction of having to wear a microphone uh, and that's where that's where it could get challenging if there's just a single microphone in the room, and now there's a conversation happening, and like you know the 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 nurse says, "What kind of sheath do you need?" And the doctor says, "Oh, I need such and such." We just want to pick up what the doctor says, not necessarily, or or at least recognize, oh, this is what someone else said, and now here's the doctor speaking. And so what you have to do is you have to separate the speech from different speakers recognize when one person starts and the other person stops uh, talking, which one is the doctor, uh, and and then, you know, focus on, on the doctor, because you're really, I think, only supposed to be documenting and recording, uh, you know, making your, your report that's going to go into the electronic health record. That should really only be based on what the doctor is saying, and so you've got you've to add that extra factor of 
speaker identification and sometimes speaker diarization and separation to like pick apart who's saying what when. That's a um, that's a that's a challenge, but it's a, it's a challenge that's within reach and uh, one of the things that uh, we'll likely be doing here as part of the project of working with center. Yeah, so like if the nurse is talking to the anesthesiologist about the Tim Tam challenge or bottle bash <laughs> or what they're doing that weekend, you don't want that messing up the whole documentation of whatever the doc, I'm about to inject a dye three centimeters. Oh yeah, Tim Tam challenge. Oh, that's great. I love, it. like it ruins the whole thing, right? Yeah. You don't want the report to say you injected three uh, milliliters of hot Tim cocoa Tam with Tim Tam. Right, right. See, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. in the way. But, but we're planning on you to sort all that out. And, we'll and I love the fact that you're helping them, that this actually, this isn't some thing happening years down the road. This is happening a week or two down the road, the first time that these operating rooms will be equipped with this. And I would imagine patients are going to be happy, but the doctors are going to love this. This is this could be a real game changer for them. And, and they'll have you to thank, right? You rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Med speech recognition for medical reporting is, is not new, but this sort of dynamic in the operating theater, yeah. dynamically reporting, that is, uh, that is the next level. So that is, uh, that's pretty cool. Okay. Game changers right here. And everybody heard it right here before right here. anybody else. News right here on the voice box. Just circle your calendar. Remember that if anybody has a heart attack and you're saved and you'll say, oh, I heard about the technology before I ever went even, ever, before I even, before I had the hurt first pulpit palpitations. I'm having a hard time speaking anyways here right now. Yeah. But, uh, you heard it here first. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us on the voice box. I'm Darren. And I'm Jeff. We will talk to you next time.